Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. How does the interview process change depending on the organization? How does the interview process change depending on the candidate? What are the unspoken rules? Especially if the candidate is a woman. Especially if they're of color. Here's this opportunity. A great educational product that I'm already an avid user of, in fact, a specialist. Check. A great role to expand the market presence and user count. Check. A five-round interview process that consisted of a survey, recruiter call, Zoom team interview, and two panel interview sessions. Check. After two months of courtship, I had graduated to the fourth round. An hour and a half with a panel of women that are credentialed for my industry. We are so proud of our diversity here. That statement lingered in the air as I looked at the panel and could only assume that they were thinking of hair color or geographic location. Mmm, diversity. She continued. We were excited to have you come in and share your experiences with us. Are there any questions that you have for the team? Yes, thank you. Their answers were clear and made sense. Well, ladies, I like what I'm hearing and I don't have any concerns with the requirements. I'm excited for next steps. We all nodded and smiled in this agreeable unison. So, Given our conversation today, what's your assessment of me for this role? I asked. Dead silence in the room, like the air had been sucked out with that statement. Well, that is a very good question, and we're going to have to think about it. The response was empty. Three days later, an email informed me that I will not be moving forward to the next round. It took another week to get an answer when I responded asking for feedback. The feedback, besides the comment that they don't get feedback, was that other candidates were a better fit for the position. Then I noticed the role was reposted after our discussion. Now I have to sit in my questions. If I wasn't qualified, why did it take four rounds to diagnose that? Why was the role reposted if other candidates were better? Now I have to sit in my truth. Do I regret asking the question? Should I not have? No, that's a basic question. And I thought it was fair game for everyone to use. Or is it? For whom is that format truly for? For whom was that opportunity truly for? Hello, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And welcome to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. 
This week, our guest on the podcast is Dr. Marcel Wilson Davis. She has 18 plus years of experience assisting organizational leaders in the collection and analysis of workforce and recruiting metrics. She's skilled in implementing projects and policies that enable organizations to integrate inclusion into business practices. Marcel provides leaders with the tools and strategies that equip them to move from ideation of inclusion to the actual integration of it. She's also recently published her first book entitled Measuring Inclusive Leadership with Grace. Welcome to the show, Marcel. Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you, ladies. So let's get into it. So you've just heard the unspoken rules narrative. Is this story familiar to you? And what were your reactions? That's a great question. When I heard the unspoken rules narrative, I actually found myself nodding my head because the situation is so familiar to me. It's actually one that I've lived repeatedly throughout my career. And interestingly enough, not only did I experience a situation when I applied for a role with a new employer, I also experienced it when I applied for internal roles with employers that may have involved a promotion into a role that I was already qualified for. In fact, the last time that it happened to me was a situation where I was the only person on our diversity and inclusion team that had extensive hands-on, on-the-job DNI experience. And this is including the officer who actually led our team. Not only was I not told about the role that was open, but I found out about it when I saw it posted on the internet. And when I applied for it, I was actually granted a phone call with our leader And I was told at that time that I needed to build my internal network because my external experience did not equate to internal capability. So that actually grinds my gears and I won't say what else. Um, But two of the things that really stood out to me in your response was the fact that you were granted a phone interview and not told that this role was open and that somehow your external capability, so the capability that you have built around inclusion and diversity, that obviously means a lot outside of that particular employer, that they weren't valuing that experience, that they valued relationships and internal networks more. Why do you think that is that they valued internal networks more than they valued external experience? You know, that's an interesting question. And I think in some industries, relationships are valued heavier over experience. And I think in this particular organization, that was true, where the relationship weighed much more than experience. So, for example, anyone who grew up in the organization, whether they had the same level of experience as someone coming in from the outside, or not, that person always had a heavier weight. They carried a heavier weight. Wow. And that puts me in the mind a lot of nepotism because we all know that relationships grant us access into spaces. And a lot of times those relationships, whether they are cultivated as friendships or someone's part of your family, 
it, it just really puts me in the mind of, of nepotism. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And, and you also have to consider how do you build an internal network, right? For the most part, it's built up of people who most commonly associate with each other. So now we're mm-hmm. talking about culture. Now we're talking about what is essentially popularity. What do you do if you have a different personality or a different cultural background than the people that you work with, the majority that you work with? And what are the barriers that are keeping you from building that internal network? Yeah, so it it gets really tricky. How would you say that these types of behaviors and situations, Marcel, have shaped your existence and identity? Like, what what are some examples and how do they affect your work? Yeah, you know, gosh, those situations have really helped to shape my existence as a professional and my identity in different ways. First, whether I like it or not, it made me question my own credentials, and it still does, especially if they're in situations where um, it reinforces the imposter syndrome, right? As women of color, we may be you know, like I mentioned earlier, granted a phone call, right? If I'm granted a phone call and I'm ex- it's explained to me that I don't have the internal network, even though I have the external experience, all of a sudden I'm thinking, why did I get that phone call? I didn't deserve it, right? So it reinforces that imposter syndrome. Second, it makes me angry because I know I am qualified for the role that I'm applying for. But when I'm denied the opportunity to demonstrate my intellectual capability and show my value to the organization, it feels like I'm hitting a brick wall. So when it's an opportunity for a promotion and all I get is that procedural cover our bases, you know, let's hear what she has to say, phone call, it's almost like I am living that glass ceiling experience. And of course, these feelings affect my work in a negative way. Because the more I am made to feel like I don't add value, the more disengaged I become. And as you would imagine, the less I produce and contribute. Mm-hmm. Chicken or egg? <laughs> <laughs> Here you go again with this every, chicken or the egg. Every episode, I'm going to say it because it's true. <laughs> Ugh. Chicken or the egg. This is what really, really frustrates me, right? Because like you said the way that you're being treated takes you to a point where you become disengaged and you produce less and you contribute less, right? Yep. At that point, you are essentially uh, reinforcing a stereotype that they already had the minute you walked in the door. So Mm -hmm. it kind of becomes this lose-lose situation where we're not being catered to, we're not being grown, we're not being developed as professionals. And then when we react to that, just like any other human being would be, they would be like, see, this is what I told you. And that's why we decided to spend less time on her anyways. Right. Exactly. I actually had a manager who was a senior leader in the organization a few years back. Um, When I first got my PhD, you know, he, he touted himself as giving me feedback, right? And I'm, and I'm using air quotes. And the feedback was that some feet, some people had told him that, oh, now that Marcel has her PhD, she's going to act like she's better than everybody else. Mm. And that was the feedback that he gave me. So then 
I collected myself because I felt myself going from zero to 60, like instantly. Mm-hmm. And instead of responding based on that anger, my question to him was, what is the work example that you could give me to support the statement you just said? Say it again. What is the work example that you can give me to support the statement that you just said? What is the proof of the stupidness? Right. Uh, Because that's exactly it, right? Is that people around us build out these arbitrary situations in which they feel intimidated and then retarget it toward us and say, oh, well, you're being aggressive, you think you know it all, you're not easy to work with, and all of these other, as I said before, stupid things. Right. And I think the onus is on us, right? We know it's difficult. We know that we have to work harder. We know all of that. And even though our feelings are hurt, we have to really try to put those hurt feelings aside and put our thinking hat on and come back with a response that they don't expect us to come back with. Yeah, certainly. And it's really interesting that I think a lot of black and brown women have gone through similar situations. And if we just pause with education, for example, so we're told, go get that degree, go get that certificate. Once you have these things, then we'll be able to slide you into this role. Like you'll actually be qualified for it. But the downside to that is that you get that degree and then people are then intimidated by you Mm -hmm. or they say, well, you don't really have the experience. You have the degree, but you don't have the experience. And it's like, why are you wasting my time? First of all, yes, my time and my money, because Mm -hmm. black women are the most educated group in the U.S. However, I'm pretty sure we carry a lot of student loan debt as well. And then we can't get to the opportunities that we were chasing because the people in the organization are saying, well, you need all these things. I get it. And then I still don't get the opportunity. You've written a book about inclusive leadership. What are ways that you feel employees can build their competencies to ensure they're not only equipped to lead in a diverse workplace while navigating these unspoken rules? but that they can also mitigate the type of bias that creates these unspoken roles? Great question. My book, um, you mentioned earlier, is titled Measuring Inclusive Leadership with Grace. And the book is an in-depth look at a competency leadership model that I developed two years ago, about two and a half years ago. Grace is the model. It's the name of the model. And it is designed to sit on the palm of your hand. So GRACE is an acronym. And the reason that it sits on the palm of your hand is that each competency aligns with a specific digit or finger. And it was, it was created this way because just like many of our fingers are not strong enough to function on their own, neither are some of the competencies that make us effective, inclusive leaders. So GRACE is the acronym that stands for the competencies grounded, receptive, agile, curious, and ethical. Employees can build their own individual competencies by being aware of and understanding their own strengths and weaknesses. 
and they must know what grounds them, what gets them out of bed every day to keep fighting the good fight. They must also be open to learning from others who might be different from they are. In other words, know how to maximize their curiosity and minimize their certainty. They must also be agile, whether it is organizational agility, operational agility, or cultural agility. Agility is critical as we grow our careers. Employees must also be curious and seek to understand that which they don't. And that's something that can be very challenging for any of us. And the final component is that employees must be aware and courageous enough to stand on their own ethics. And these five competencies are at the heart of equipping leaders to lead in a diverse workplace while navigating these unwritten rules that you ladies have been talking about. These competencies also position employees to mitigate the bias that creates these unwritten rules because they know who they are and they can identify who their leaders are and whether they too are indeed inclusive or not. So it works both ways. It works to help me identify whether I am exhibiting inclusive behavior and it helps me identify whether my leader is demonstrating inclusive behavior. Well, first, I want to say when you said fighting the good fight, I literally put my fist up (laughs) from fighting the good fight. (laughs) So thank you so much for that incredible, incredible acronym. And I love the way that you explained it about your hand, because I think that's such an easy concept for people to understand when it comes to grace and it comes to identifying whether they're an inclusive leader or not. Love it. Did you, Marcel, did you have this grace model when you were applying for that internal role and you got that feedback about internal network? Or is this something that actually kind of like birthed itself from that feedback? Because I would say this model is so closely aligned with what it means to build an internal network and your leadership competencies, right? So... Absolutely. And that's a great question. Actually, this model is my dissertation years ago when I was doing my PhD program. And this situation that I discussed earlier happened maybe a year ago. Um, So the model was already in place. Hmm. And again, I always try to pause Mm -hmm. before responding. And that is, I think, one of the hardest things for us as people of color to do, especially women. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And so even keeping the competencies in mind, I, from the time I birthed the model, I I found myself from then until now, constantly looking at the palm of my hand as a reminder when I am in a challenging situation, what I need to focus on. That's crazy. That's crazy because I literally this morning put a big sign up in my office that says pause. Wow. Because you're so right that as women of color, I don't know if it's because of like the limited opportunity or the way we just have to hustle. There's always this sense of urgency that is an undertone of what we do. Like everything we do feels like it needs to be done now. And even Crystal has been like coaching me on this, right? 
and what it means to really pause, reflect, assess, and then react in a way that's productive to you, the person you're interacting with, and even the space, the situation. So I, I think that's incredible. Mm, you have been learning. Look I at you. have. I've been trying. Look at you, girl. I'm trying. I'm a grow. I'm a grow. <laughs> so, Marcel, we have a me moments question of the week, and we would love to know your thoughts on this week's question. Do you think determination looks different for women of color, and how? Wow, that's a heavy question. The answer is absolutely. So I have a 13-year-old daughter who's a competitive gymnast. And I have always told her that as a woman of color, in this world that we live in, she must always be faster, stronger, smarter, better. Always. Mm -hmm. I have said it to her so many times, she repeats it now to herself. And at first, it was difficult for her to understand when she was much, much younger. But even now, at the age of 13, she has experienced situations where she is judged or treated differently because of the color of her skin at 13. For example, she's competed at some gymnastics meets where she performs better than her white peers, but she doesn't get the score that she earns. Everyone in the gymnasium sees it or in the convention center sees it but the judges don't because the judges don't look like us. And it's tough for her without a doubt, but she understands that this is the world that we live in. And so for women of color, we have to identify our goal, create a vision to match that goal, and then hit the gas and drive. Yes, the bumps in the road are going to come, but it's important that we be determined to stay the course despite the challenges we face. Why is this important? Because the generation behind us is watching. Yeah, and I think you actually just answered the question that I had earlier, which was, why are we so urgent? And it's because our determination positions us in that way to be urgent. So to your point, we have to be determined in a different kind of way, but let's not let that affect uh, our mental health and the way that we carry yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah I love it's, just, that. it's so interesting that we have to be 10 times better than our white counterparts. And when you think about companies who are hiring talent, and let's say, for instance, they're trying to expand the talent pool. So they're trying to make sure that there's all kinds of people in the talent pool that we have great representation across race and ethnicity as a baseline. And how the hiring managers that you're talking to consistently say highly qualified, diverse candidate. I've never heard anyone say, if they're not talking about a diverse candidate, they never say highly qualified. So it's just mm-hmm. so, it's just so interesting that we have to be. 10 times better and that our parents have been telling us this all of our lives because they know and they knew that we would encounter these things as we grew older. Yes. And so we have to prepare the generation that comes after us that this is what they're facing. For sure. Wouldn't it be great if they didn't have to? 
Oh, man, yeah. (laughs) So we have really enjoyed our conversation with you today, Marcel, and we are sure that our listeners would love to know where they can find you online. Oh, absolutely. I have enjoyed my time here with you ladies. It has been an incredible conversation and and it is definitely one that needs to be had. Um, And so I'm sure your listeners love having you as a part of their learning opportunities and their growth. So your listeners can find me online. I am on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On LinkedIn, you can find me at Dr. Marcel Wilson-Davis. My Twitter handle is at culture is you, and that culture is with a K, culture is you. Instagram is Marcel W. Davis, and my Facebook page is Dr. Marcel W. Davis. I'm in the process of building my website, and when that's complete, I will share the web address with all my social media accounts. If anyone would like to purchase a copy of my book, DM me, and I can direct you to the link where you can complete your purchase. Um, I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, your questions, your concerns about anything that I've shared. So don't hesitate to connect with me on any of my social media platforms. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.